Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I am so excited today to talk to a new friend that I met that knows grief intimately and I think this conversation is going to be really important because it's a different type of conversation than I think I've had about grief. And I've talked to lots of people about it, but I don't think I've talked to someone that had this situation. So our guest today is Kyle Owens, who is the founder and CEO of Morning Moon Productions. And Kyle, tell me if I'm correct, but basically what you all do is take extremely amazing stories from writers, directors, creators, and then you bring them to life to be shared with everyone. Is that correct? I mean, in a perfect world, that's what we do. Yeah, we, okay. uh, we're we developing a lot of, usually a lot of true stories, optioning a lot of memoirs, and that just sort of seems to be the the almost accidental direction that we're, we're headed in, but we love it and love bringing these stories, you know, to the, to the people. Yeah, I've looked at the books that you guys are optioning and you're working with. They're just... This is a time in life where we need to hear stories of people persevering and with resilience and joy because there's been just a lot of hard for a long time. And I'm going to give a little background on how I met you. So I was actually going to be on your wife Zibby's podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read. And something came up when we were supposed to do it and it didn't work for her to do it Zoom from New York. And so during our conversation about rescheduling, she said, where do you live? And I said, well, I live in this little shitty town called El Segundo that I love dearly. And she was like, oh my gosh, we have a place in LA. We're coming out. My husband and I are, would you like to do the podcast at my house? And I was like, uh, the answer is yes. I'll drive up to the Palisades any day. And I had, it was, it was interesting because it was very informal and I didn't know what to expect. And I walked in and I, I bring this up because it has to do with this conversation. And it's the first time I kind of gone over to someone's house without a mask. And I think it was the first time that Zibby did an in-person since COVID. Mm -hmm. And I walked in and I said something like, hey, you know, I'll wear a mask or I won't, but COVID really scared me. I don't know how, I don't know what y'all's experience of of it was. And Zibby's whole face kind of went down and she said, actually, you know, my um, husband lost his mother and his grandmother. And then you walked around the breakfast table and we had a discussion about it. So I'd like today, two things I'd like this conversation to, to dig into. First of all, what, what does COVID loss and COVID grief look like that's so unique and so different than what we've yeah. known before? And then the second thing would be, what's it like to be a man that's grieving? Because I speak with 
a lot of men that are widows, but it's a quick conversation. I never really hear back from them. Women have a different support system. So I'd like to talk about those two things, if that works. Absolutely. I'll talk about anything. All right. So then we'll talk about all the other stuff on another podcast. But can you start, Kyle, by just telling me your experience of COVID in the beginning, how it worked, and then what it was like to lose your mom and your grandmother basically at the same time? Yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where we were obviously all living through it at the same time. And it, you know, as real as it was, and as, you know, I was like the designated person, obviously being the husband and father to be going out to the grocery store to get the groceries, like when the grocery stores were like even open or had food. And, you know, just like playing it really safe. And we were quarantined in the country and we were we were playing it really safe. And, and you know, at the time, New York was like the epicenter of the of the whole thing. And, you know, it was just a weird, it was a weird time. And and also I didn't really know anyone that had COVID or that had gotten COVID or anything at this point. It was just what I was hearing on the news, seeing on the news, reading in the newspaper. So, so there was that. And then when my, when my grandmother got it, you know, it became extremely real and she got it from going to the hospital. And at Mm -hmm. the time they, they didn't give her a COVID test before they sent her home. She went in for something else, like a pre-existing sort of thing. She was 90 years old. Wow. And my mom, and she was living with my mom and my mom was asking them to give her a COVID test before they sent her home. And at that time, they felt like she didn't really have the symptoms to warrant, you know, wasting a test. Interesting. Yeah. And so they sent her home and then... I think it was by the next afternoon, she was on her way back to the hospital with COVID symptoms. And that's when they did eventually give her a test. And they were like, yeah, she has COVID. So were were you guys hazmat suits up at that time? Can you give us a timeline of where, when you were, what is this? Yeah, this I mean, I wasn't there. I was in New York. They were in North Carolina. And yeah. This is May, this is May 2020? This is July. July, 2020. July, July, 2020. And yeah, she was gone three days later. So she passed three days later. And that was, and that was, I, and I, I talk about this around grief, you know, when someone's 90 and they've lived a good life, it's different than, you know, there's different, different experiences with grief, but it was shocking, I assume, because she was fine. And then she was gone. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know, not delusional to, you know, think that, someone who's 90 who's just like going to be, you know, around for another 20 years or or so. But, you know, I mean, I would say in the last like five years, you know, leading up to her being 90, you know, I feel like every time I would see her and leave, I would think, you know, who knows, maybe this is the last time I see her. Like, you know, which I think, you know, probably, probably a lot of people do when they're, you know, with someone who's like five, nine. Yeah. So that one, yeah. So that one, it made, that one made some type of sense in our logical brains about timing, except for the the extra, the extra part of COVID that we were in the middle of. Right. Right. Well, she did. Yeah. She obviously, you know, was unfortunately brought it into the house. And, you know, at that point in time, it was extremely, 
not only contagious, but extremely like violent. Virulent. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously this is before vaccines and, and whatnot. So yeah, my mom got really, really, really sick. And a day later uh, was admitted to the hospital. So let's talk about that. Cause I think when I walked in, when I walked in to first, when I met you, one of the things I asked, which is, I think I wish I hadn't asked it, but I did. I said, well, were they vaccinated? And I think that's important to, because COVID has so many nuances and so many opinions and so many things that we've never dealt with, uh, that, that people have a, a feeling about it and if you die from it and if you get it and if you're responsible. And I think you said at that point, and I kind I might have apologized after I found out the situation because I could see that it would really stink if every time you shared that somebody you loved passed away, that they asked for it to be qualified. Well, it's funny that you say it because I feel like nowadays, like if I happen to be talking about it and it's not something that like I bring up, but if, you know, like my wife brought it up to you or I would say I knew your story going into it. So felt more comfortable bringing it up. But nowadays, if I do talk about it, I feel it necessary to say during the height of the pandemic. Interesting. So that people know that it was in like the middle of 2020 before we obviously had vaccines available. And, you know, I mean, I cried when I got my vaccine for the first time because, you know, I was just wishing that my mom had had the opportunity, just like I was sitting in that chair, you know, getting it. Yeah, I just wish that that she had had that opportunity. Had the chance. So let can we dig into that? So I think what's, we're close to 900,000 people who have died of COVID. So there's this collective grief that we haven't had since war, I don't think. That this many yeah, people. Absolutely. What does absolutely. it feel like to carry that grief? Does it feel, uh, do you feel more supported or less supported because it's something that so many people experienced or did the, or does it just feel very personal still to you? And the fact, it kind of mind blowing that you're like, wait, my grandma's gone. And then yeah. my mom. Um, it is, I would say personal, but it's also you know, there's this community of people who are grieving or who have lost a parent or parents at ages that, you know, they should probably still be alive. So you're sort of like entering in this into this club that no one really wants to be a part of. And, you know, I feel a tremendous amount of support. You know, uh, I'm not going to name names, but like three people on my on my team at Morning Moon have lost a parent or, or multiple parents. Right. And, you know, there's just like a, a little bit of a bonding thing that happens. But the thing that I noticed most about COVID and COVID deaths and or grieving is that if my mom had died from anything else, I don't think that people would bring it up like at dinner. That's interesting. Like it's it's like it's everybody's everybody's allowed to talk about it. Like if I'm not mistaken, I feel like your husband passed away of almost like a heart attack. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Mm-hmm. So like going into dinner with you, right. I'm not gonna be like, <laughs> so guys, let's chat about what heart attacks, like right. what's going on. Right? Interesting. Although you know I'd, love, I'd love I'd like, love if someone let's just all talk about what's your heart attack experiences. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. When you're yeah. not 
so you don't get to like I get to drive the grief conversation because no one says anything to me until I bring it up. But you have a right, and I feel like people... going into it, like I mean, I don't even know if this is like a good thing or not. But like, let's just say I was having dinner with you, and I was going to bring like two or three other people who didn't know you. I might say something like, "Hey, right, not that you were going to, but let's not bring up heart attacks." <laughs> right. Just let's... you know, as FYI. I, FYI, let's just not, let's not bring that up as a topic of conversation. And everybody, of course, would be like, oh my God, of course not, right? We'd never think of that. But people are just so eager mm. and like in this sort of flippant way to just be like, oh, so how was your COVID or everybody good? Like- That's what I asked you. Yeah. I uh, was that girl. Know, yeah, you were that girl. Sorry. Now, you know, here we are. Here we are. God. It's just so interesting that it just keeps getting brought up all the time. And and I feel like maybe sometimes people are, they don't, they're out of practice because none of us have really been hanging out with each other for such a long time. And now people get in the same room and people are like going to parties and they're going to dinners and lunches for the first time in years. And I don't think they know what to talk about. So why not talk about dead people? Yeah. Just talk about COVID and, you know, some we've all experienced it. Let's all talk about it. So, you know, I I just think in, in that sort of regard, it's a little bit different for me and probably all of the other people who, who have lost someone to COVID where there's just daily reminders of it. You know, I mean, you can't turn on the news still or open a newspaper without reading something about it. You know, my little daughter, she just had it. You know, we were all quarantined again here for, you know, five days and masks in the house and, you know, wondering if we were, if we were going to get it too. Luckily she didn't have any symptoms and she was okay, but, um, and now she's negative, but yeah, it's just like, there's all these reminders every day of it. And, you know, I, I don't know, I would hope that as you're walking down the street or living your, your normal life, there's, there's hopefully not like reminders of heart attacks everywhere, you know? Right. So, well, no, that's an interesting, I think that's interesting because it becomes it. What happens to with COVID, I would assume is when they talk about it, it starts with you, but then it goes back to their experience. So no one's holding space for you to say, it's like when I say my husband died of a heart attack, it's not like everyone else goes, well, let me tell you my heart attack story. Right. And then I'd be like, well, wait, I'm the one that he died. He died at the trampoline park in front of my kids. Can I share it? And they're like, no, because I got to tell you about my heart attack. Right. And what happens, I think, possibly is grief always, at least from my experience, people don't know how to show up for people in grief because we thank God we don't have to experience it that much. Our generation hasn't had to. But to really sit with your story and listen to you and get past the COVID part and get to the part about your mom and your grandmother and what you love about them and take away the circumstances and more about what the loss feels like. Um, I would imagine with COVID that gets swept under the rug because the conversation begins to be about vaccines and timing and how and where, and then people start sharing their story, which never feels supportive normally. Right. No, absolutely. And one of my partners and, and dear friends at my company, Morning Moon, you know, she she experienced a lot of uh, loss and in the last few years. And uh, that's something that she pointed out to me that I also experienced is when people start to tell you their 
stories where it's sort of almost like inappropriate, mm-hmm. you know, at that time, because it's like your thing, you're going through it. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't know, like when your husband passed away, like, I'm sure there's probably people who were like, my uncle had a heart attack 15 years ago. And, you know, he also passed away. And let me tell you about that story. So Yeah, I think what grief does, at least what I've noticed in conversations is a lot of times death is so scary for people, especially if you haven't experienced it. So what what I've noticed is what people say to me is really what they're talking about to them. So people, if people were in a bad marriage, they'd say to me like, is it really that bad? (laughs) He's gone, you know, or if somebody is in financial, has financial issues, their first question would be, are you okay financially? So what I've found about grief is when people interact with you, when they first find out, you can learn a lot about what they're going through with how they, what they ask about and what, how they respond. So it's just, I think COVID is, it's an interesting It's going to be interesting as we back out of it over the next couple of years, because there's a lot of people grieving. There's a lot of blame in certain situations for different things. So it's unique. I want to, though, I want to, and I get into the whole like spiritual woo-woo part. So if you don't, if it doesn't make sense to you, just go for it. But is there anything, are there any gifts? Is there anything beautiful? I always, I just did a podcast with a guy who lost his wife and her two kids in a car crash and he lost his whole family, babies, wife, all in one thing. And he he didn't drive with them that day. And he talks about how his his wife, he knew she she wouldn't have been able to leave the kids and she had to go. And that there's this kind of understanding that she had this experience, but both so the whole family went at the same time. Is there any piece where your mom and grandmother are very close? Is there anything poetic or beautiful or magical that you have learned through the death? Or has it all been really just kind of gut-wrenching? Well, the term gut-wrenching, I feel like I all like would have used in the wrong context before any of this happened. I think saying like gut-wrenching, I feel like I didn't quite understand really what that meant until I actually felt my stomach yes. like contracting like to the point where it was like as tight as it could possibly go. And then I think it went even a little tighter. And that's like really gut-wrenching. And I feel like I I mistakenly over the years, over my life, have probably used that term just way too, you know, in, in the w- wrong context. So I have definitely experienced gut-wrenching pain, you know, a crying that is like so hard that you're literally... Yeah, you're literally doubled over because mm-hmm. your your stomach is like contracting so hard. So, yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. yeah, I think what I realized, and this might have been your experience, grief is much more physical than it is in your head. I thought it was a mental thing. Like when you lose someone, you, f- you, you feel sad in your head. Mm-hmm. What I realized is you feel sad in your body. It's yeah. very, it's, grief is a very physical experience. And I don't think I knew that before I lost Nate. And a sudden death, and yours was sudden. I mean, when things come on like that, that quickly, and you're, you're grieving your grandmother, and then it's just, it's, a, it's too much. And I, I realized our bodies just shut down. And it's not that we're depressed from the grief. We're depressed because we feel like shit. Like it, it feels like the world is over as we know it. There is a physical feeling of just lack of understanding and lack of being grounded. And the missing of them is not in your head. At least for me, it wasn't. It's in your stomach. Yeah. You go like, I really want to hold their hand again. I really want to hug them again. So I think it's important that people realize grief really, when it hits, it it's it's a physical experience much more than a mental one. Yeah, absolutely. And, but so what, how do you couch their their death? How do you make it so that you can stay in gratitude for them and move forward like you're doing? What what have, what have been some tools that you relied on to understand this magical thing called death and the timing? Yeah. I would say that, you know, my mom, she did a really great job of, of preparing me for life, you know, as a parent, she did a a really fantastic job of, of giving me all the tools that I would need to put into my toolbox to walk around and survive and live, you know, happy and successfully. So she taught me a lot of lessons, you know, And I feel like in a weird way, like the last lesson that she taught me was not to fear death. And so, you know, I just don't fear dying. I I know that um, it's one of the biggest fears people have. I think it's the second biggest fear people have. I think public speaking is actually the biggest. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Because you feel like you're going to die. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you get up there, you're like, I'm going to (laughs) die. Right, right. (laughs) <laughs> nobody wants to be giving the eulogy at the funeral. Right. Everybody's right. so scared. Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, just a lesson of, of the last lesson, I felt like just not, awesome. not fearing, fearing death. Have you connected with them again? Do you have any, have you felt any way that you hear her or you can feel her or your grandmother? Is There's just little signs Mm-hmm. everywhere. You know, I think just being more open and aware of things in your life and things that happen and understanding that, you know, some things that happen aren't accidents. They're meant to be and they're, they're, you know, sometimes just from another, another realm yeah. and uh, being open to accepting those signs and those gifts that come your way. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting too. They they left when you were settled with a wonderful wife and a wonderful family, and sometimes I feel like our loved ones wait till we're good, and then it's time for them to go. And yeah. they, you know, and this this idea that you were lucky enough to have a grandmother, and I I too had a grandmother that lived till ninety, and we couch it as that's like that's the that's the package we all want, like zero to ninety. We, you know, eighty six right. is good. Eighty two will take. Anything under seventy eight feels a little early. Yeah. My husband at 42 is just 
wrong. And I'm trying to challenge that belief that there is some number of years that makes it right, because then you start to really live in this beautiful spot where as the soul comes and goes, however long it's here, if we're all made of energy and there's eternity and we have no clue where everybody goes, but everyone gets to make up whatever gives them peace. You know, putting the numbers around what was a good life is one of the things I talk about a lot. If we could drop the number of years and just say we miss them, we miss them whenever they go. It doesn't matter if it was 90 years or 40 years. Life without the person you love is different. And like you just said, when someone passes that you love, the gifts you get from that are basically how to live fearlessly because you just saw someone cross over and you're still standing and you're okay. And they're okay, we assume. Yeah. I mean, I think putting a timeline on life is probably the wrong way to go about it. You know, like, I just almost feel like whenever you go is like, that is it. It's not like, like people will be like, well, they made it to 90. They finished the race. Now they're just taking victory laps at this point. You know, where it's like, why are we putting that as like, that's where you, that's the goal. Like, and anything, like you said, anything below that, you're like, oh, they didn't, right. they didn't finish. Yes. They, didn't finish the they race. had more to do. They had more to do. Maybe they didn't. Maybe, Maybe they, they didn't. did it all. You know, I think that, you know, we, I don't know. I just had this really interesting conversation with this amazing human being who is one of these people who died and then came back. I love those people. Get them on this podcast. Yeah. I really, really it's amazing. I went to this this party and it was just sort of random that I even went to the party and was like on a whim. And I met this guy at this party and we just started talking about this experience that he had. And it all sort of happened because of my friend who I was with, she asked him about this necklace that he was wearing and started telling the story and one thing led to another. And then it turned out that he had gotten a parasite of all things while he was doing some filming. He's an actor where he's filming in Africa and he got this parasite and didn't know it and was having all this like chronic pain and all these terrible body things going on and, and no one could figure out what it was. And then they finally figured out that it was this parasite that was like eating his liver. That's what my mother-in-law has. It's interesting. It's so weird. You just brought that up. Yeah. So anyhow, uh, he winds up like dying for a few minutes and just started telling me all about this experience. And, you know, one thing he said, though, was dying is scary. And I think he said dying sucks, but death is beautiful. And that that he didn't want to come back. He was trying to stay. And then eventually he he made it back. And, you know, I think with the notion that there was more to do and yes. Yeah. And then it wasn't, it wasn't the time yet, but he described it as an extremely beautiful experience. And this idea that your soul makes a, an agreement with your physical body before you're born. I love it. And then you're, you know, hopefully have fulfilled that agreement by the time it's over. And I don't know, he, he just, um, I love that he was able to put a little bit of ease at it, you know, cause I always wondered what my mom was experiencing during those last 
you know, moments. Sure. And not that I'll ever fully understand, but he was able to, I feel like, give me a, a little bit of a, of a glimpse into possibly one of the scenarios. I love that. This woman that died, she had got, had anaphylactic shock like a month before she got a bee sting. And her husband said that she had come home and said, it was so beautiful. I was on my way. It was so beautiful, like where I was headed. And then they brought her back and then she died a month later with her kids. But oh my God. I always think of my husband because I obviously I was I was out of the country when he died, but he, and he was jumping with my kids. And this I the minute I heard he was dead, I felt this. And the the ER doctor when he called to tell me he was gone, he said, you know, we we worked on him for fifty minutes because we could feel his soul trying to come back. And that gets me in the most beautiful way because I imagine my husband when he had his heart attack that as he started to float away, he's like, oh shit, the kids, like Kelsey's gone. And I had this experience that he was deciding, you know, trying to like, do I go, do I stay? And eventually he went. And that gives me great peace because I think at some point the light or the joy or whatever, it was done here and to stay was not correct. So he had to go because that's what we all chose in some ether before we all came down here. Mm-hmm. This was the setup. I too find great peace that at the end, and the more people I talk to through this podcast who have lost people and people who have been in hospice always say at the end, it's it's beautiful. And how cool is that, that God made it that way for us? That it's not just like like some torment at the last minute where you're like crawling right. back to the yeah. universe. No, absolutely. You're yeah. like, bye, <laughs> I'm out. What do you miss most about your mom and your grandmother? Um, Just them as, you know, just having them, I think, you know, being able to talk to them and call them. And, you know, I I mean, I'm still at a point where there's something awesome happens or whatever, or like some, like a picture of the kids or whatever. Like I immediately like go to text my mom. Mm. So, and for like, I don't know, the last however many years iPads have been around, my grandmother had an iPad. So she knew how to text me from her iPad. So she was, you know, always text me, uh, every day. And we were always talking and yeah, I just, yeah, I just miss them. You miss them. Yeah. That's pretty simple. Last thing. If, if you're a man and you're grieving, if you could put together a grief workshop for men, what do you think they need more of? Or did you get everything you needed from your guy friends? Do you feel like it was good or? Well, that was another unique thing during COVID was you know, one day I was just going out for a drive and I was thinking to myself that I have really, really close friends and I have a really, really close family as well. And I was thinking to myself as I was driving down the street, I was like, you know, my grandmother died and my grandmother was really popular with all of my friends. And and she was like, the go-to. She was like everyone's grandmother. Right. And I was like, my grandmother just died. My mom just died. Hmm. I haven't seen one friend or one family member outside of my, my wife and my sister who, you know, came up after this whole thing. And she had been with my mom for like six weeks in the hospital, but outside of them, I hadn't seen a friend and I hadn't seen a family member. And it wasn't because they didn't want to see me or we weren't trying to, you know, see each other. It was because of COVID. Right. Everyone was still quarantined and, you know, and obviously I saw them over Zoom 
and we had Zoom memorial and, you know, phone calls and FaceTime or whatever, but like physically being able to like physically hug someone, cry on someone's shoulder, have that human touch, that human connection was something that I really lacked during, during my experience with it. But I think something that I learned through it is that if you know someone that's going through any sort of grief, any kind of loss, you know, even if it's like their dog just passed away, like whatever it is, I I feel like it's totally cool to just reach out to them with a text or even a phone call and leave a message. You know, you could even say, you don't have to respond to this text. I just, you know, I'm sorry for your loss or I'm just thinking about you or praying for you or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think it's really nice because so many, so hundreds of people really reached out to me during this, this whole thing. And, you know, whether or not I had talked to the person the day before, or it had been five years, anyone who reached out, even with a just, I'm so sorry or whatever, it just really meant a lot. And it was really nice to feel all that support. And, you know, even if I didn't get back to them or whatever, I don't really think that, I don't think you have to feel obligated like that when you're going through such tragedy, but, you know, I really make a point of it now because I've since, since my mom has passed, I've had a few friends and acquaintances or whatever lose family members. And I'm just, you know, feel more comfortable to, to reach out with a text or a, or a phone call or something. And where before I was like, well, why would they want to hear from me at this time? You know what I mean? Like I'm sure they have a million other things going on and they're, and they're so devastated. What am I going to say? You know? And, but just a, a simple, I'm sorry for your loss thinking about you. You don't have to respond to this. Yeah. is actually really, really comforting. I love that. I think we'll end on that because I think a lot of people struggle what to do. Do something. Say something. Say, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, as much as, as much as there's no handbook for grief, you know, there's no like, this is how it's going to be. This is, these are the steps. I feel like there's also no like guide or anything for, for people to try to navigate other people's grief. No. You know, I, I think people don't know what to do. And a lot of the times, a lot of the times people can make it worse. And oh, yeah, um, for sure. You know, you know, I can't tell you how many grief books I have uh, from people that they sent me and, you know, articles and, yeah. and this and that. And, you know, just got to understand that everyone's experience is different, you yeah. know, and so we're all... And we're all just trying to navigate this roller coaster yeah. that we're on, where I feel like things really, they fluctuate from day to day or month to month. And you sometimes don't know where it's going to take you, yeah. but you have to try to live with it and, yeah. and just navigate it and not let it affect too much of your life with your, with your family or, or your friends yeah. or, or yourself. Because it, it. it can get uh, it can get crazy. It can get all consuming. Yeah, I think we're still here. I always tell widows and people that have lost that I talk to, we're still here. The best thing we can do is live the best we can do, because eventually we're going to be on the other side too. 
And I'm certain, I don't know where they all are, where their souls go, but I'm certain they're cheering for us. I'm certain they don't just want us to be happy. They want us to thrive and live fearlessly. So Kyle, it was such a pleasure. I'm so glad I met you guys. I can't wait for you to come back to LA. It was a pleasure. I'm so grateful that you walked into my house (laughs) that day. Can't wait to come back and sit by the pool. Don't want to invite myself, but I'll be there immediately. You are invited anytime (laughs) you want. You don't need an invitation. Come up and hang out by the pool. And yeah, the top of the world up there. Yeah, it is. Thank you. And thanks for sharing your story about your mom and your grandmother. They sound exceptional and you're doing great. You're even doing better than when I saw you a couple months ago. You too. Time is the great healer, everyone. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.